Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and welcome to podcast episode number 157. Now this week I thought I'd try to really challenge myself and our guest expert to tackle a topic that's been so overworked, it's been so used up, you probably think there's nothing else you could possibly learn about this topic. Well, I'm talking about weird survival uses for paracord. And you know me, I, I hate boring old vanilla survival tips. And I think the top 10 list that we put together for you this week will definitely add a handful of new tactics for this very common survival gear that you probably haven't thought of before. Now, by the way, don't bother taking notes because I've already done it for you. If you'd like the complete tutorial packet for this broadcast with pictures, just head on over to www.moderncombatandsurvival.com slash 157 and grab the show notes there. And now, let's get started. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. The braided paracord bracelet has become almost the unofficial secret handshake of preppers and survivalists. I mean, it's so recognizable that we actually discourage people from wearing it if they don't want to give themselves away as one of those doomsday preppers. But the reason it's so recognizable is that it's so damn useful. If you don't have miles of this stuff tucked away in your gear, I'd almost really have to question just how serious you are about your survival gear. The problem is, apart from knowing that it's useful, a lot of preppers never really stop to think about all the things Paracord can do. And so they're missing out on some of the valuable survival applications, applications that could literally save your life in the right situation. And it's these little-known tricks that we'll be exploring today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. In this episode, I thought we'd, we'd really like to get you to think outside the box and help you get to know your 550 paracord even better. So what I've done is I brought back one of our favorite instructors in our network to give us his top five paracord tricks that you probably don't know. And then what I'm going to be doing is adding in my own top five in here as well. So we can give you kind of the consolidated top 10 little known uses for 550 paracord. That's if my math is correct. I'm pretty much Kevin. <laughs> welcome to the program again. This is Kevin Estelle, everybody. Um, okay, five plus five is 10. Uh, did not do very well in school, but we may end up coming up with a few more as we come along here uh, anyway. But welcome back to the program, Kevin. It's good to have you back. Jeff, thanks for having me back. Uh, I hate the fact that we're doing some math. You know, it's a four-letter word. It's, it's not something that I like to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, everybody, Kevin is the owner and head instructor of Estella Wilderness Education and a regular contributing author for various websites and magazines. He's also a guest speaker at various sportsman shows, speaking engagements, and webinars where he teaches bushcraft and survival skills. And he's even been featured on the History Channel as an on-air survival expert. Now, on top of all that, Kevin is also an accomplished martial artist with ranks in applied self-defense and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and is an instructor in Sayakali Filipino martial arts. He also has extensive tactical firearms training 
but it's his expertise when it comes to creative survival gear uses that we're after today. Now, learn more about Kevin and his training. Make sure that you go to, over to his website at www.kevinestella.com, and that's E-S-T-E-L-A.com. All right, Kevin, so you and I both know that if you go on the Internet and anybody can put, you know, Google paracord uses for survival, and you get, like, all these gigantic lists of, of, you know, the top 500 ways, the top 100 ways. And when you go down the list, it's really, it's really like plain and vanilla, right? It's like, oh, I didn't realize I could tie my tent stakes down or tie my tarp up or, you know, use it as a zipper pull or something like that. So, you know, I, I, my fear is that people that, that are listening are going to think, oh, great, another, you know, another stupid top 10 list that I already know this of. So I really wanted to challenge you and challenge myself to really entertain our the people that are on our network, because they, anybody can go out and just Google that stuff. But I wanted to come up with some things that were really unique that would maybe surprise people that they would get a lot out of, even people that are more experienced. So what I thought we'd do is kind of go back and forth with our with our top five list and um, and see what we can come up with here. Sound good? Sounds great to me. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you take the show right off the bat. So uh, what is the uh, what is the first 550? Well, first of all, let's talk about what it is, I guess. You know I mean? Just, I'm, I guess I'm assuming people know what paracord is, but can you just give us a quick synopsis for those people that maybe don't have this in, our, in their gear or just starting out, or like what is 550 paracord? Why is it such a you know survivalist staple for survival gear? Um, 550 paracord has been around since the Second World War. Um, what a lot of people don't realize when you say military cordage, they think oh it's it's got to be 550 cord. Uh, but there's actually closer, I think it's five or six separate types of, of paracord, uh, or I'm sorry, cordage. And type three, uh, or 550 is, is the most common. And something that has to be said right off the bat is we don't want anyone that's listening to this to go out and buy 550 style paracord because the 550 style paracord may not be constructed to military specifications. And instead of having seven inner, inner strands of two pieces of cordage each that are uh, twisted together, it may just be a, a fiber, a filament that doesn't have that same utility. So the, when you get the 550 style cord, it's actually going to be a waste of your money and uh, it's not going to hold up anywhere near as strong as 550 cord. But 550 cord has been around for a long time and it's been, I mean, I remember purchasing it as a kid. I remember uh, using it throughout my my adolescence my teenage years at the wilderness learning center and the stuff that i do now and like you said in the intro there are people that are buying 550 cord bracelets at old navy and big box stores so it's kind of become like the trendy thing to to wear on your wrist i personally don't wear a paracord bracelet anymore and i carry it more discreetly but it it really has become the industry standard of cordage that all other cordage is is gauged off of. Uh, you either carry cord that's thicker than it, or you carry cord that's thinner. Um, but it is really the like the mainstay type of cordage in, in the survival community. Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so let's go ahead and get into some of these uh, little known uses. Or what's uh what's item number one on your list of uh, of little known uses for paracord? Well, let's hit everyone literally right in the face, and I'll say the first one is the trapo, um, which the trapo is uh, what we call the rock in a sock in Filipino martial arts. It's actually from Atienza Kali, and the trapo, if you imagine a weight at the end of a paracord uh, lanyard, <clears throat> whether it's done in a monkey fist, uh, which contains a ball bearing, 
or it's done with a sinker or it's done with even a heavy steel carabiner, a lot of people don't realize how powerful that weapon is. Um, I've done in demonstrations uh, cinder block breaking with literally a three-ounce steel ball uh, at the end of paracord, and people can't believe it, how powerful you can you can generate uh, or how much power you can generate with a, with a tropo. Uh, it's a great improvised weapon. It's something which doesn't even have to be paracord. You could technically have a bandana and you could have a padlock in your carry-on bag and let's assume a 9-11 event type of thing happens. You have a uh, improvised impact weapon that will get through pretty much anywhere. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, and it's, I'm not t- telling anything, by the way, that people don't already know. Uh, what people don't realize is how to employ it, and that's really where the training comes in. But the knowledge of how to create this thing is nothing new. But people just don't take the time to, to learn to train with a tropo. Um, extremely, extremely effective impact weapon because it, it makes its way around hard defenses. If someone puts out an outside block, it wraps around the arm and impacts the head. Uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, weapon tool that you can make with paracord. Wow. Yeah, that's one of those things I've seen. It's like, okay, come on, this dinky little steel ball on the end of this thing. Like, what am I actually ever going to use this? And uh, is there, I mean, is there any, I don't, I've never seen any, like, training uh, set up or any training videos or anything like that for how to use it. Do you have anything like that? Mm. Yes, I do. Um, like I said, I learned I learned the Trapo from uh, my Atienza Kali brothers. Uh, Atienza is is one of the relative systems to SIOC, which is a Filipino martial arts system that I'm an instructor in. And it's it's one of those systems that, I mean, Filipinos, I'm half Filipino, and I will tell you that Filipinos, we are sneaky. We do not play play by the rules when it comes to fighting. And, you know, there's that expression, if you find yourself in a fair fight, your tactics suck. Uh, if anyone is interested in learning about flexible weapons uh, or using the tropo, they really need to seek out a reputable instructor. Um, because I'll tell you, even with just a knotted bandana or knotted uh, handkerchief or kerchief, that knot alone in training can hurt someone. Um, <laughs> you know, when we when we train with it, we don't even put a knot in the, the kerchief or handkerchief because with a good whip, uh, you can easily break a bone with just a knotted piece of cord. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not a piece of fabric. Um, so, I mean, and I didn't even get into the other applications of using paracord, not only as a tropo, but as a sarong or a mulong. Uh, and then you get into grappling techniques, which are just absolutely vicious. But people laugh at me when I say I carry, you know, six to 12 feet of paracord on me, you know, when I, whenever I travel and they wonder why. And then when we start getting into training or whatever, they realize just what I could do with paracord. And I'll tell you with a rattan stick, you can put bruises on someone with a piece of paracord. You could literally rip them apart, but that's the type of training that not everyone is prepared to do, but it's the type of training that I absolutely love doing on a regular basis. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I've got to see some of that stuff. That's awesome. Uh, okay, all right. So I'll give uh, I'll give one off of my list here. And a lot of people, well, anybody that's been in the military, uh, one of the one of the co- most common uses that we've ever used my 50 cord for was as a dummy cord. And and a lot of times this would happen if you had a soldier who was dropping his canteen, losing his canteen. Definitely if somebody misplaced their, their rifle, like if you saw a rifle up against, if I, if I was a sergeant and I saw a rifle up against a tree and there was nobody there, I would, I would snag it because some dumbass soldier walked off without his weapon, which is 
which is blasphemy. You like you can't do that. So when you find that person, you make them dummy cord the rifle to themselves, basically by by tying a piece of 550 cord from their belt over to the weapon, so that they. I mean, if they try walking away with it, it's going to start dragging behind them, and they'll see it. So so that's that's not my use though. That's just to kind of orient people, because you can also use that same kind of dummy cord uh, strategy. For other uses. So I'll give two examples here. So one, we're talking uh, places where you're in a crowd. So it could be something like a, a, a sports game or something like that. It could even be like a civil unrest situation or there's pandemonium going on and you've got your kids with you or, or something like that. Uh, if you get separated in a crowd, now you're not only trying to escape the, the scenario that you're in or, I mean, there's nothing more terrifying than being in a crowd and having your looking around for your kid and they're not there. So dummy courting your kid and having that so that they stay right behind you. So nobody gets tangled up in the cord, but if they do get separated, if a crowd kind of gets wedged in between you, you're, they're not getting sucked away from you. You can actually kind of dummy cord your kid or your spouse or whoever you want to do. So that's one use of it. But here's the other thing that um, I think is important. And this is for personal defense. And that is to have a loop, a loop of paracord connected to your keys for your vehicle with a bead. So there's a little plastic cord. We use them for like for ranger cord and stuff like that. These little plastic beads that you can feed both the lines through that you can cinch up so that it's around your wrist. And what I do is I tell people to use this around your keys so that when you're going out in the parking lot, you've got your keys there, they're in your hand. Imagine if they, if they were just loose, like, 99% 99% of people out there have it and you're part of a you're, you're in a burglary or something or you are in a parking lot uh, somebody tries to ambush you it could be a kidnapping for your spouse or it could be whatever and one of the first things that happens is either people clench up or if they try to defend themselves they lose their keys or they just drop their keys out of fright and so if you are able to either uh maybe just get that that attacker down momentarily or whatever and you want if if you were to try to get into your vehicle but you can't find your keys or you're out looking you're out looking around for your keys not a good scenario or if you need to be able to get in your vehicle to escape or whatever it is those keys are your lifeline not to mention you don't want a bad guy if you start running away you don't want a bad guy having your keys there and possibly knowing where you live or something and then having keys to your place so when you go into the park when you go into the parking lot Put the keys around your wrist. I recommend having, if you're a concealed carry operator, putting it in your opposite hand, which is also something that a lot of people don't think about. They use their primary hand for keys and everything. And then if you are ambushed and you want to get to your to your weapon, you have to drop or, or change hands, and that takes away from it as well. So use your opposite hand. Have it lanyard, have it dummy corded basically around your wrist. And go ahead and use that so you don't lose your keys. You have them if you need to escape, and they're not in your primary hand if you're going to defend yourself. There's my number one. Okay. Sweet. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go into uh, let's go into tip number two for you, Kevin. What do you got? Well, you know something that I know I'm going to get flack for, and I'm I'm okay with that because you know I have thick skin. I'm not a snowflake. Uh, is using paracord as an improvised harness. And what I'm telling people is not to go out there and find a hundred foot tall cliff and, you know, tie paracord around your waist and around your legs and, and see if it holds. 
you know, you got to build up to that type of confidence in your gear. But if you use paracord and you want to uh, find out just how far you can literally uh, take your paracord, try building an improvised harness, whether it's a Swiss seat or some other type of tied harness that's not going to constrict around your legs and around your waist. Uh, you're going to want to use three or four strands of it around your legs so you're not cutting off circulation or digging into your skin or possibly doing yourself damage. But you'll realize, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. But when you have the average man that's probably 200 pounds that is being held up by four or five layers of 550-pound breaking strength cordage, uh, you realize that a controlled descent is very possible with just paracord and a carabiner and a length of rope. Um, obviously, you don't have a, a, a belay device or a repelling device like a figure eight or a pyramid or anything like that, but you can learn how to use a single carabiner and tie a munter hitch and realize that the munter hitch will slow you uh, down, a, down a cliffside. So in that recent article that I did for Recoil, I did, I'm sorry, Recoil Off-Grid, I went over to Rattlesnake Mountain in Farmington, Connecticut with a bunch of paracord. A whole bunch of people looked at me funny as I was setting up, tying this on. And, I mean, these are people that were walking by hiking the area and a couple of climbers. And they're like, dude, you're not really going to do that. And I said, like hell, I'm not. And I uh, I did a couple legitimate uh, repelling sessions off of a, a decent hike cliff, um, you know, 25, 30 feet. I don't need to push it to 100 feet, number one, because my rope wasn't that long. But you know, I got the, the point across to my readers that you can use paracord for life-saving. Again, it's not a dedicated harness. It's not something that you're going to find certified by any search and rescue group or anything like that. But again, if your life depends on it, if you have no other option, I don't think you're going to look for a little label that says, hey, this thing's approved. You're just going to get by with what you have. So learning how to tie a paracord harness is the same as learning how to tie a flat webbing harness and you know i was never in the military but i know plenty of guys that were and they say that's one of the most uncomfortable experiences but you know what it's better than being dead it's better than being left behind and it's a great way of learning how to use paracord to really really stretch your survivability yeah no i'd add too because any i mean i travel a lot my family i've traveled my family a lot and one of the things that i've always paid close attention to is how would i escape a burning building if I needed to. So it always determined like what level floor I was on if we were at a hotel or something like that. And the very first thing I always do when I go inside of my hotel room is I go to the window. I go to see what's under the window, like how far down is it? Is there, you know, like an awning? If I'm over top of like where the main entrance is, is there, a, you know, a lot of times they have that structure that juts out there that gives me a little bit more space to get to get down from there? Are there other balconies below me that could be lowered down to? How do I open up the window? A lot of them have those locks on there so that kids don't open them up and fall out from, you know, 10 stories up. But I always look and see, okay, well, how, how easily can I get through the window? Can I break through it? And then if I do, what's below me that I can get, get my family to? And so I would always carry 100 feet of paracord with me to allow me to be able to, um, and I have a riggers belt that I always wear that has um, like a, an attachment device on it for using for repelling. And if I needed to, I could take off the take off my belt quickly, just cinch it all together to put it underneath the arms of my kid, and then connect it with the paracord and simply just lower them out of the building. I'm not going to sit there and wait for hopefully a 
a fire engine to come that's going to have a long enough ladder to reach me, and I'm going to be the one that they come and bring the ladder over to while there's a 100 other people outside their windows saying, please rescue me. So I'm going to take matters into my own hand, lower my family out of there, and then, like you said, hopefully lower myself out of there as well, using it as a, as some sort of a, of a descending device. And uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. But um, this is one thing. I mean, this is this was everyday carry for me. Is everyday carry for me, and that's one of the reasons why. So that's a great tip. Um, yeah, okay. and even even a bunch of firefighters. I'm sorry, a uh, bunch of firefighters are carrying uh, gear to punch through walls, and they have them as emergency descent gear. So it's something that you see in a lot of different different uh, uh, you know places, uh, not just with survivalists, but with with firefighters as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, so we've only covered the top four out of the ten right now. We've got a lot more coming up, but before we get started, go ahead and check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Kevin Estella of kevinestella.com. And again, that's E-S-T-E-L-A.com. I have to, Kevin, I think you're going to have to change your last name, so I don't have to spell your name every time I want to send people over to your website. But, uh... We've, we've been talking about the little known ways of, or little known uses for paracord that you probably don't know as a survivalist. And so we've got a lot more to get to. In fact, we're coming up on Kevin's number three, right? Yeah. So number three on your list for the, your top five uses for paracord. Uh, my number three, I think, uh, is the one, two, three anchor. And, you know, I, I, don't call myself a, a dedicated off-roader or someone that's a big four-by-four guy, but I'm not afraid to take my, my four-runner off-road. I'm not afraid to take it into fields, get it muddy, that type of thing. And, you know, I've got a winch on my vehicle, which works fantastic for, for anchors, and I do have a pole pal, which is a, a mechanical device that goes into the ground and serves as a ground anchor. But there may be a time where I don't have that. I don't have a winch. I might be with a friend's vehicle, um, I might be traveling somewhere where it's just in a field and I have to get back onto the road, but I have nothing to, to anchor off of. And what uh, my third suggestion is for paracord tricks 
is what's called the one, two, three anchor. Now I know it's kind of hard to, to visualize, but if you imagine a row, uh, I'm sorry, if you imagine one stake pounded into the ground, followed by another row of stakes uh, behind it, two of them, and then you imagine a row of three stakes behind that, and then paracord running from the first point to the next row, and then paracord running from each of those points to the three behind them, you kind of have like a like a waterfall effect of paracord. And each one of those paracord uh, strands is supported by the row that follows it. So paracord uh, anchors, one, two, three anchors, are extremely, extremely effective. This goes back, I first learned this skill from my, my mentor, Marty Simon, at the Wilderness Learning Center. And we used to routinely, routinely tow his F-150 with a come-along. And we did it in the middle of the of his field, even up a slight grade, and it was done to the students' surprise. I mean, they were blown away that paracord could be used as an anchor to move a vehicle. So it's something, if you think about it, let's assume that you're you're traveling and you only have paracord, and maybe you have a, just small trees that are not located in a cluster, uh, maybe not located in a way where you can anchor off of them. But if you were to cut a few of the branches and pound them into the ground, you could now create an anchor that will pull, help pull you or be used to help pull you in the right direction. So I think that's one of the skills that people, uh, they get blown away by when I show them. And it's one that, that you guys should definitely check out if you have the time. It's a great, great skill to practice. It's one that you can get the whole family involved in on. You know, father and son. Uh, I had a father and son duo. What's up, Brett and and, and Mike, uh, I had those two guys help me out in, in my uh, demo for the magazine. And it's, it's an awesome skill. It's something that, again, you'll, you'll never look at paracord again the same way if you try it out. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, uh, so uh, my number, uh, actually, I didn't do one for the last one. I just jumped onto yours and tagged along because I can't stop talking, <laughs> but, um, Anyway, one of the uh, so I'm going to give a couple here. So one is as a do-it-yourself knife shoulder sheath, a covert shoulder sheath, and I've um, I wrote an article about this a long time ago. I'll probably republish it this week of, that we're releasing this podcast. So people get a, a picture of it. But basically, what you can do is if you have a if you have a sheath for it that you can either punch a hole in the bottom of the sheath, or if it's a um, uh, like a Kevlar sheath or something like that that has grommets in it or holes in it. What you want is one at the bottom. And so what you do is you just take a piece of paracord about five feet long. Uh, you can change it up to basically about depending upon what size you are. And all you do is just tie a loop in it. You just tie up a big giant loop going through the bottom of that shoulder sheath. And then what you do is you put one arm through that loop and then you put it behind your back and you put your other arm through the leap. So essentially what you have is the cord goes around your shoulders with the cord behind your neck and then below your shoulder blades. And then you hang that, that shoulder, that knife down underneath like where your armpit is. Just position. It's really easy to position once you have this thing on. You just position it there and then you can put a shirt over it, a jacket over it, whatever it is. But it, it allows you another an, an alternative use for covert knife carry, particularly if it's like a fixed blade and you've got a sheet that you can wear as well. So, and I will post that. I'll re repost that article for everybody as well this week. So keep an eye out of that out for that in the emails. Um, and then the other thing that I will uh, bring up as my number three is to use the. So what you can do is use it as an improvised instant 
rifle stabilizer in the woods. So whether you're hunting or whether it's for personal protection, force on force, or whatever it is, you know, most people know that if you're in a prone position or if you have some sort of bipod, that helps give you stability, right? Like the more anchor points that you have, the better off you are. But especially if you're standing, if you're on the run, it can sometimes be difficult to have that kind of support. There are some alternative ways of using it, like with walking sticks and things like that as a as a monopod. But one of the ways that has worked well is to just quickly take some 550 cord and you have a, a loop at one end that your barrel goes in. You can just quickly throw the barrel inside of there. And then you just throw the 550 cord over any branch that you find there. So just put the preferably one that is more stable, so a bigger branch. But you throw it over there, quickly grab the other end. And then just hold on to both of the strands down close to where your rifle is. And what that does is it gives you uh, stability on the actual um, on the actual rifle itself because it gives you kind of like an, an exterior anchor point to be able to give you better aim even in a standing position. So that's another use for it. Okay, that's my uh, that's my number three. So Kevin, we're on to I think number four for you, right? So. Uh, yeah, I think it's number four. Okay. Um, this one is something that I learned from, from Tim Smith at Jack Mountain Bushcraft up in Maine. Um, it's something I, you know, I bring a lot of gear to courses. I let, you know, my students try out a bunch of stuff that I carry and, you know, everyone wants to know, well, what does the instructor have? And I get it. It's cool. I do the same thing in, in areas that I'm not as familiar with. You know, I always look at what like dive masters have and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things that I bring with me on courses, and people always want to make them, and it's funny because I'll have guys that are like hardcore dudes, and all they want to do is sit around a fire, and they want to, I won't say knit, but they just want to tie knots. And one of the things that they want to learn how to do is make a water bottle carrier out of paracord. And it's basically a net that can be used in any size container. I mean, I've made these for giant Poland spring bottles. Uh, I've made them for, for planters, for the usual sizes, like the, the 1.75 Poland spring bottle that's round, kind of cylindrical. Um, but it's a water bottle carrier. And, you know, there's there's plenty of tutorials of how to do this online. But my only suggestion for the, the listener is my variation of this water bottle carrier and the reason I like using the Poland spring bottles or Gatorade bottles or hell, even wine bottles, because all these bottles that I just mentioned have a hollow bottom or at least a, a recess in the bottom. So if you are going to tie a variation of this that has a giant knot on the bottom, when you sit it down, that knot kind of gets sucked up into that recess and it doesn't topple your bottle. But my variation of doing this, I use a welded steel ring or if the what I'm carrying isn't too heavy. I'll even just use a split ring from a hardware store keychain. And I tie, I tie girth hitches or lark's head knots all around it. And then basically you find the two closest, uh, from, from two separate, uh, lark's head knots. You find the two sep, uh, two closest strands and you tie an overhand knot. And then you tie the next two closest and, and you keep working up in a, in a fishnet pattern with overhand knots. Uh, there's a variation of doing this with all square knots. But when you get to the top, you tie off your knots, and then you, you put another layer of paracord, you create a cinch, and it creates a water bottle carrier that is a lot easier to carry through the woods or carry on uh, a stick as a yoke um, or to attach inside of your canoe. It creates a very convenient way of carrying water bottles that allows you to to um, to carry extra cord if you need it but also have an easy way to carry that bottle uh, rather than just, you know, man pawing it, 
you know, by the by the the neck or you know by the indent in the side for your hand. So uh, I think the water bottle carrier is something that people should learn how to do because if you want to take that concept, you can stretch it out and make a hammock. You can stretch it out and you can make um, a, a larger container, a gear net for your vehicle or whatever. Uh, it's a great skill to know how how to have. That's a great project. I mean, just learning those knots and everything, and that's a great, really, like a small project that you can do that allows you to learn those knots. It's really easy to get through rather than sitting down and trying to to make an entire hammock with it. But like you say, you can expand it from there. The other thing I like about that, just that project itself, is you know one of the one of the cool little prepper tricks out there when it comes to carrying water is to use a condom, right? Like you can fill up a condom, it blows yeah. up like a balloon and everything, but you ever try walking around with a gigantic, you know, condom filled with water and the thing's springing around? It's like a giant water balloon. That thing pops, you're, you're toast. So how do you carry a condom of water around with you as, as a cool little doomsday prepper? And, and your water bottle carrier case is a really good way to do that because it gives support underneath it without having to try to put it in a, in a pack or inside of, uh, inside your pocket or something like that. But um, anyway, so that's a really good way to, to carry something like that and have a an instant water bottle, if you will. If there's no other water bottles around, of course you of course you have your condoms, so you're always going to have that. So that's a that's a great project for people to do. Okay, uh, so I've got another one here, which kind of goes along similar to the last one I just gave, but because it's in personal protection, but. Again, in a situation where you need, I'm talking more like survival, firearms, uh, force on force type stuff, but if you don't have a rifle and you have a handgun, everyone knows that handguns aren't really much of a distance weapon. But there is a way to get more precision at longer distances using 550 paracord. And essentially all you do is like I keep a, just a piece of paracord just tied to my belt. It's always tied to my belt and it's always inside of my pocket if I need it. And you only need a piece that's about four feet long. And if anybody has ever, if you have like an AR pistol or if you have a um, some sort of a short barrel rifle that you've ever tried using, you know, one of the ways to be able to use it with a, uh, with a not a harness, but um, like a strap or a sling, I'm sorry. So if you've got a sling on it, is to push it forward. So when you push forward with it and... Uh, it helps give you a little bit more stability when you're like, running and gunning because you have, it's not just floating in midair. By pushing it forward and you have the sling on, it creates that tension and using it with your arms as well gives you more stability when you're running and gunning. Well, you can do so, sort of the similar thing with just a piece of paracord tied to the front of your belt and you can try this at the range and all you do is you pull, you hit, pick up your pistol and using your supporting hand, just go ahead and grab the paracord out at the end, wrap it once around your uh, around your hand, your stabilizing hand, and then it should be just out in front of you to the point where your arms are just slightly just slightly bent. And what you're doing is you're pushing forward. So you're actually you'll feel it pushing or pulling your belt. And that's what you want to do is you want to you want to gauge it for you want to bring it forward. You can feel that tension, and then go ahead and see if it doesn't give you also using your supporting hand and your, your grip hand, between those three anchor points, those three points of tension, you can really get, you'll, you're going to notice that you're going to get less wobble in your in your sights and a little bit more stability. So that allows for longer shots, more precise shots 
in a field expedient uh, scenario there. So give it a try at the range, see how it works for you. Okay, all right, Kevin, what's the last one you've got for us? Uh, so my last one, I, I guess, uh, you know, I think one of the more interesting ways of using Paracord, I, I've shown this on a bunch of courses, and I usually will set this one up if I'm camping with someone who's not very uh, not very comfortable sleeping in the outdoors, especially in bear territory. Uh, it's something that you can use for perimeter security. And I'm sure you've probably seen TV shows or movies or, or read stories of people who have strung up a bunch of cans along a, a perimeter of a camp. And, you know, they say, oh, if a bear comes, you know, the cans are going to rattle. And, you know, I, I don't fault them. That's a great way of of creating a, uh, a perimeter alarm. But here here's the issue with that one, especially for certain people that, that might need this application. And, again, if you use your imagination, you can probably think of who I'm, I'm thinking about, talking about. Uh, you probably don't always want to let people know, all right, this particular trail uh, in this area all around me, I'm going to hang cans that are going to be very visible. You may want to have your cans hidden off to the side of the trail and only be alerted to someone coming through that trail. Um, so the method that I'm going to describe now is what I refer to as the turnbuckle rattler. And it's actually a very simple, uh, the setup is very simple. But the trigger mechanism, that's where the real skill lies. And the first thing that you want to do is, obviously, you want to have the right materials, so a bunch of cans. And each one of these cans you can tie together, I'm sorry, tie uh, a length of cord to, maybe about a, a foot and a half or two feet. And you want to tie these these cans in between two sturdy trees. So you'll have three or four cans that are hanging in between two sturdy trees. And you want them hanging where they're touching each other because that's going to play a vital role in how this perimeter security alarm works. Underneath those suspended cans, you're going to tie a length of paracord uh, around both of the, the sturdy trees that those can, cans are hanging in between. Now, this is where some people might lose me in my description, but you're going to take a sturdy stick and you're going to put it in between that loop that you just tied around the two trees and you're going to continue rotating that stick to increase the tension. It's very much like a turnbuckle. Uh, it is a turnbuckle. Now, here's what happens. If you let go of that stick, because of the tension, it'll spin the stick. And if the trap works correctly, that that uh, spinning stick will then impact the cans and create noise. Uh, to make the noise a little bit more dramatic, you can put some pebbles inside and really create like a, a bean in a coffee can type of effect. But again, where the real skill lies is the triggering device. And that can be done with a twitch up. It can be done with a toggle type trigger. Um, you know, that's a whole other skill set right there beyond paracord is how to create a trigger. Um, but this is a fantastic skill. Um, the guy that taught me was a Vietnam veteran and they use this one frequently. And it was something that indigenous people have used against our soldiers for years. So uh, it's called the turnbuckle rattler. Again, it's really hard to describe it uh, over the phone, but if uh, people want to check out my article, you know, just search my name. You'll find the pictures of it. I've got it up on social media. Uh, it's something, again, more discreet than just hanging a whole bunch of cans. You can put these cans off to the side in between two sturdy trees and run a trip line to be much more discreet and more stealth if you want to use that buzzword. Yeah, awesome. Well, this fits right in with my last one, actually, which is kind of a, kind of the same, not the same thing. Yours is much more in depth and everything, but because I've actually used this 
as a tripwire so many times, I felt like it had to be brought out. So, I mean, I did, I had a bodyguard job one time where uh, it was a, it was a very fast assignment that I had. There was somebody who was a security expert for this, for this woman who had this gigantic mansion. And unfortunately he went off the deep end and it's a long story, but nonetheless, she was very afraid that he was coming back that night. Um, he had all of her weapons and apparently had a, a nefarious background. So, um, he had all of the codes to the alarms. We had those changed quickly, but he also had keys. And so what we did was I set up different tripwires with cans and glasses uh, on different sides of the of the building. So just in case he was able to get through in one of the other locations, uh, he, he would have to go or there would be a tripwire there. And on one side of the house, because it was such a large house, there were cans that were stacked up, a tripwire would knock those over, or on the other side, it was glasses, so it made a different kind of a sound there. But I can tell you, I've used the, I've used 550 cord as a tripwire so many times. When we first started going down to Mexico, I was always, I was, you know, we were just starting to go down to Mexico. So, of course, I thought my, my young child, who was like three years old, was going to be abducted and, you know, sold into slavery in Mexico. I had no you know, I had that was my outsider perspective on visiting Mexico. So I had the entire house, uh, the villa that we were in, laid out with tripwires all the way around. So I would know if my kids got up and mistakenly sleepwalked out the door. I would know if somebody was coming into the villa. I would know if I had everything everywhere. And there were different cans and, and different different ways of doing it. But um, perimeter perimeter alarms and stuff like that are are one of the most um, useful sources for this because we talk about how people not just bears and stuff like that but in survival scenarios some of your biggest threat are going to be people and you have to rest sometimes and you've got to know if somebody is is in your area so that you can respond to it and people are going to come after you or enter your area at times that are the least opportune for you i mean in the military we always had somebody up 24 hours a day you just had you had your shift where you were watching the perimeter, but you don't always have that. You don't always have that capability when it's just you and your family or something like that. So um, learning Kevin's perimeter alarm system or having some system of using 550 cord as an alert device, alerting device is really, really important. And there's lots of ways you can do it. And I highly recommend that you actually test these out and see how they work out for you. So, yeah. Just a quick side note on yeah. that one, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a as a teacher, you know, something that I just want to share to anyone that's working in a building where you can't always carry firearms or any type of weapon that, that we would all consider a weapon, um, you know, you can use paracord to secure doorknobs uh, and door hinges very easily, the like the actuators on the top of the door. You, I mean, paracord and Kevlar cord, very, very easy to carry, and it's something that as long as you can build in 30 seconds of, of a hard target for an active shooter, uh, you know, that's the, the magical number that most shooters will move on. Uh, if they can't get into a door in 30 seconds, they move on. So, again, that's just a little little addendum, maybe number 11, I guess. Yeah, no, that's about. awesome. That's really, really cool. So you're all, what you're talking about is also, like, if it's got the, the doors up at the top where the, it closes the door for you is what you're talking about, right? Right. Like, yeah, so wrapping the 550 cord around that so when people try to open it, it pushes against that that uh, 550 cord and it won't open. Yeah, that's a great idea. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It's top the top 11 weird uses for 
paracord <laughs> that you don't know. This is cool. We're over-delivering here. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, listen, everybody, uh, definitely go and check out Kevin's site. I mean, he's getting – there's a reason why he's getting a lot of exposure in our industry right now. It's because he really does think outside the box. He's got a lot of practical experience to back up all of his creative uh, training and everything else that he's got going on. So definitely make sure you head over to his website. Check out the training that he has there. Again, it's at www.kevinestella.com, K-E-V-I-N-E-S-T-E-L-A.com. Go check it out. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.